find what you're passionate about. I think there's a lot of podcasts that all sound kind of the same. And I think it's because they get a microphone, they get on there and they just start talking because anyone can can talk, but not everyone's a great storyteller. And I think if you really figure out what your passions are, um, then you can focus in on that and you become a better storyteller. And then as a result, I think people are more likely to listen. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Hello again, podcasting friends. Today we are going to be shaken and maybe even stirred by the guest on this episode. He is the host and creator of Make It A Double, the podcast that talks booze, spirits, history, mixology, and the people and stories that make them great. Welcome to the show, Mike Stojic. How are you, Mike? Yeah, good. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) I always try not to put you that. I should get you to to do my opening all the time. That was really great. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I felt like it needed to be longer. I felt like I needed to say more. But sometimes, you know, you can you can pack a lot of power and a little bit of punch. No, I thought it was great. That was that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so. I don't want to gush too much, but I've, I've become a huge fan of your podcast. So I'm super curious, as I am about every podcaster, about your origin story. I want to know exactly how and why you got into podcasting and particularly the subject of booze, spirits, yeah. history and mixology. OK, <laughs> well, it started like this. Um, I've always been fascinated by how booze and, I don't know, beers and spirits and wine and all that impacts society and culture and really um, helps shape who we are. So, I mean, you go all the way back and, you know, when um, I think they first discovered how beer was discovered by the uh, Egyptians. And I've read some more reports that, not reports, I'm sorry, but articles that says it even goes further back than that to the Chinese. Um, and then, and then you you just kind of follow that story forward, and it's just so so amazing to me. And the first time I really got into learning about it was uh, in the Marine Corps. I was a Marine for nine years, active duty. I left as a captain, but I don't know if you know this, but the Marine Corps was founded in a tavern in Tun Tavern in 1775. So I mean, the birth of I think the greatest fighting force in the world was born in a bar. Um, And then you look at things like the revolution and how it was a lot of times planned in taverns or bars. So the green light dragon was where the Boston Tea Party was planned and and those sorts of things. So there's always been this huge, I always thought, influence um, in society and how culture develops as a result of of, of the booze and spirits. So that's always just been a personal fascination of mine. But um, how I got into podcasting is a little bit different. Um, I moved to a new neighborhood after leaving the Marine Corps, and I met a guy who has his own show, and he lives a couple houses down from me. Um, we got the chatting, and he invited me on his show, and I saw his setup, and, and I had a lot of fun, and I thought man, this is pretty easy. Uh, you know, it's just a couple microphones and this little 
black box thing that plugs into an iPad, and then that's really it. So um, I was leaving his house, and I uh, I thought, man, how can I do something with this? Um, I'm interested in all this stuff. And oh, by the way, I'm I'm actually opening a bar. I'm in the process of doing that. Um, and and one of your questions, I think, later was uh, surprise connections, and I got a story about that too. But oh, nice. so I'm walking back, yeah, and I'm walking back, and I'm thinking, man, I wonder if I can tie my um, interest in all this history and culture, uh, the fact that I'm actually opening a, a craft cocktail whiskey bar and lounge, and then and then bring in the podcasting and kind of tie it all together. So that's more or less the genesis of, of how uh, Make It a Double got started. That's, that's fascinating. And I love how you are actually opening up a bar. I am definitely going to make a road trip to visit it when it's open. <laughs> I think that sounds amazing. Okay, so I have to give you a little bit of a hard time because we often talk to podcasters who will be a little embarrassed about their first episode or their first, you know, 10 or 20 episodes because they're new. Mm -hmm. And so they get better along the way. But I went back to your first episode and listened and it is so polished and so great. You would, it doesn't sound like a first episode at all. And so I wanted to tie that into um, a question about your editing because your show is actually very beautifully and creatively edited i'm so envious uh, of it and i want to know (laughs) do you do the editing how did you learn editing um and um why is why is your first show so perfect well that's very nice of you to say uh i thought (laughs) i thought you were gonna tell me (laughs) i was waiting for the question to go uh so your first show is really great and then they kind of went downhill from there (laughs) (laughs) nope that's not it (laughs) Um, No, I edit everything myself, um, Ah. and that's one of my um, flaws, I think. uh, I wait one of your questions later from your list. uh, Ask what I don't do well, and I thought maybe it was editing. (laughs) What? Are you kidding me? Well, my problem is, is it takes me too long, and I think about it, and I stare at it, and I listen to it, and then... And then I don't like it, so I go back and change it, and I and I keep making all these revisions. And the first one, I was I was real nervous about pushing something like that because you know you you're putting yourself out there for everyone to criticize. You know, either they like it or they don't, but someone's gonna have something to say about it. So I really wanted to make the first one really special, um, and some of the large, I guess paid for publications like Freakonomics Radio or the TED Radio Hour or like Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell, you know, those are kind of like shows, um, not stream of conscious um, conversations, you know, they have, there's a story they're telling and it kind of follows and it bounces around and then you get different people in there talking about things, uh, if that makes sense. But um so I really wanted my show to be similar to that, if that makes sense, and have an a sh- edited show, more of a show than a conversation. But even though it is conversational, if if that makes sense, I wanted to tell a story, and and part of telling a story is is knowing how to edit. I think some of that story, but w- w- yeah, I do it all myself. And I guess where I learned how to do that was in high school. I was in the uh, AV. Uh, 
TV production class, so I used to edit uh, videos. But this is different, obviously. Wow. Well, I like I said, I'm I'm envious of your skill, and it is. It's very artistically edited, and I think for those of us who have shows that are lightly edited and we don't go through that trouble, you can see a show like yours and and see what is accomplished by some creative editing. And I also like your use of music overlays in the show. It adds such a, a great element because your choice of music is so well fitted to the story and the pace and the mood of, of the story you're trying to tell. So I, I wanted to ask, where do you find your music? And uh, do you deal with any copyright issues? Are there any copyright issues? That's always a big question for podcasters, how to get the rights to use music, that sort of thing. Yeah, on the in the very beginning, I was actually reaching out to a lot of the musicians. So I don't I don't do any music because I don't know how to do that. But um, there's a couple websites, freemusicarchive.org is kind of neat um now you got to really pay attention and it, it takes a lot because you got to click on the genres and figure out what you want so there's jazz blues hip-hop and rock and those sorts of things but you can click on it and then it's it's almost a crapshoot to figure out which music really works well for you because it's all over the place you know because you're looking at a lot of people who are producing music probably in their homes and then they're uploading it to try to get you know their their name out there i guess kind of the way we do with podcasting but so you got to click on them their artist name and it takes you to their page and then from there there's a licensing and more and you just kind of got to look for the one that uh has the creative commons um rules the the ones that work for you so some will say you're free to share copy redistribute in any medium or format some some will say you're able to adapt remix transform um but you can't do it commercially and then others will say you can use it for commercial purposes so you just got to really pay attention to the creative common licensing that these artists have on their different pages and if they can if you're able to do it commercially usually the only thing they ask is for an attribution so i usually do that on my website <clears throat> uh, if everyone i've used in music i throw that up on the website yeah i saw that and i thought that was i wasn't sure if these until now i wasn't sure if they were bands you or local bands you were familiar with and so now knowing that um that that's very nice and actually i was curious about the music so i actually it was one of the reasons i was Going to your website as I was hoping that you had them, uh, the attributions there so I could, you know, discover them uh, and maybe download their music. Uh, so that's, it that's great. It should be there unless my website fell apart. No, no, I found it. Yeah, they're, <laughs> okay. they're definitely there. And so that was freemusicarchives.org? Yes. Oh, okay, great. I'm going to make sure to include that link in the show notes. Oh, so how long does it take you to produce a single episode? Oh, wow. So if you were, <laughs> since you were looking at my stuff, you'll know that I only have eight episodes. I'm working on the ninth one right now. Um, and sometimes it's months in between. Um, and that's, that's something I really got to get better at because, uh, well, I've been busy trying to get this bar started. So I haven't had an opportunity to focus on the podcasting as much, but, um, you know, it kind of, I don't know. I'm all over. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a challenge, though, right? Finding could, that consistency. Yeah. yeah. If I can do that, um, I would love to have one episode a month. I think um, if I could do that, then I'd be very happy. 
I think I think that's a good that's a good goal one episode a month because your episodes are so meaty. There's so much to them. I I, I would think it'd be hard to do a weekly show. It's it's uh, one of the things that one of the troubles I've been running into is trying to come up with creative ideas, and then when I have the idea, looking for the right guest to come on the show because. Tip well, there's no typically this. I never have one guest on the show. I usually try to tie it together. So, for instance, this last one I did was called Damnation. I interviewed the guys from Deacon Giles Distillery in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh no, sorry, Salem, Salem, Massachusetts. And then, and then I wasn't quite sure what to do with their with their episode because of the story of the distillery was I thought was so interesting. I, I had to really search to find somebody, and it took me. Uh, I don't know, eight months before I finally found the right guy <laughs> to to bring into that show to round it all out. Oh wow! So you you really do put a lot of thought into it. So how what makes a good guest? How do you how do you find the guests that do come on the show? They got to be good storytellers. Um, I think that's the most important thing. So with the distilleries or the breweries or the bartenders. Um, typically those guys, if I can get them just to talk about their product and their, um, the, the story behind the product, most of them have a really great story. Um, that's, that's enough, you know, that will fill 20, 30, 40 minutes pretty easily. And then the challenge comes in finding someone who is not related to that person or product or whatever, and having a, uh, a story that's, um, that can be tied together. So finding that person and having them the ability to really tell a great story is uh, is the, probably one of the most important parts to have to having a guest. Wow. So how do you pre-screen them to sort of audition their storytelling capabilities or do you just no. take a risk? I take a I take a risk, and so far it's paid off pretty good. Because um, generally, when I'm asking these people about these different subjects, uh, it's um, it's usually something they're extremely interested in or they're passionate about, right? So when you ask people about their passions, they they typically become really great storytellers, and they'll and they'll talk to you about it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. The the moonshine episode, which was your first episode, mm-hmm. um, the gentleman that that starts that episode, I could listen to him tell stories literally all day long. He's, oh. he, I mean, he's just, you know, he's so, and he probably doesn't think of himself as a storyteller, you know, but, uh, yeah, I could have just listened to him and listened to him and listened to him. He was, he's, he was incredible. Uh, he's a great guy. That's Jeremy Norris, and he runs Broch Lab Distillery. His family goes. His family's been making whiskey and moonshine way back into the 1800s, um, and then he he even goes into more detail. We couldn't put it all into the show about how his grandfather was ran off by the cops and <laughs> during prohibition oh, wow. times and <laughs> they're bootlegging and all that. So it's all in his family. And yeah, he what tells a cool a really legacy! Story. What a yeah, cool legacy! Really and what what a privilege that you know they they come on your show and you're able to share it and then share it so beautifully. Have you had any feedback from the people on your show about? Their feelings of how the episodes turn out. Yeah, that's you know I, that's been a huge surprise for me because um, I really thought um, I would hear a lot more back, but I've probably only got about fifty percent of the folks I've talked to have emailed me back to say, "Yeah, listen, and it sounds really great." And 
yeah, thanks a lot and all this sort of stuff. But uh, and then there's some that just completely go dark and I never hear from them again. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think that happens sometimes. <laughs> of course, the people you're interviewing might not even really know what a podcast is sometimes, I imagine. That's true. That, that's absolutely true. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that was one thing. I, one of my questions was what what sort of things have surprised you about podcasting? So is there anything other than the fact that the people you interview sometimes have no interest in the, the final product <laughs> yeah, surprised that, um... you? The, uh, I think so that's one but then on the other end of it um, some of the friendships and uh, connections that I've made have been really surprising too so we were just talking about Jeremy Norris and his distillery we're, we're pretty good friends now and uh, we've done uh, I've, we've, I've done so my partner and I um, for the bar she and I we've gone over to his distillery and helped him develop his menu for marketing to help market his bar and it's all as a result of kind of making that initial introduction through the podcast you know and then we sort of developed a relationship and then I told him about the bar and I I introduced him to my partner Malia Christie and uh, one day he decided to have us over at the bar with a couple other guys and we just worked on recipe stuff (laughs) so with his product so it was a lot of fun and then guys like um, I think you know Elijah Bailey yeah uh, Richard Taplin and they have the blackened studios and I got a chance to meet them and come on um, Richard's show, uh, The Black Box, out in Oklahoma City when I was on my road trip. So I met those guys, and, and I keep up with them, and I think we're pretty good friends now. So, I mean, that's some pretty cool, surprising stuff that's happened as a result of the uh, the podcast as well. I hear that over and over again from podcasters, that podcasting, it doesn't stop at at your show there's so many doors and opportunities that open relationships that develop that are a result of having a podcast that you would never expect and you've certainly experienced that i mean this is going to be something that's it's currently and will be ongoing um, it'll be a help to your business and all these relationships you've formed uh, during these past you know eight episodes are going to feed into your business and uh, open up even more doors that's quite obvious that's so cool and um, I think one of the most surprising ones is I met my my business partner Malia Christie on a podcast. We were both no recording for my friend Kevin's show. His show is the Make It a Double One. Uh, not Make It a Double. That's my show. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's still too early. I'm trying to wake up. But <laughs> his his show is called Wait What If. And uh, we were both guests on his show, and we started chatting and talking, and got to know each other. And then I asked if she wanted to to partner with me in opening this bar. And uh, that never would have happened if it wasn't for us both being on his podcast. That's quite that's quite a get, you know. A partner for opening a bar is, is <laughs> you know, finding somebody that you know, know wants to take that on, that has the financial wherewithal to do it. I mean, that's that's quite a get from a podcast, I'd say. Yeah, it was, it was almost serendipitous. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so. You have now. I imagine once your bar opens, you'll be a little bit um, less flexible in terms of travel because a lot your your podcast sort of falls somewhere between a, a storytelling podcast and a travel podcast, mm-hmm. which I think is really a great combination because you've you've traveled to the Dominican Republic uh, to record a, a, an episode. Uh, you've been sort of up and down the East Coast. Is that something you'd like to continue as part of the show or was that sort of just something that you were able to do and may or may not be repeated. 
No, I definitely want to keep doing that. And I, oh, I think um, the bar is actually going to help facilitate some of that. There's some really great conferences. Um, I mean, uh, out in um, Las Vegas has uh, the Bar Nightclub Convention. There's a Tales of the Cocktail down in New Orleans. I, and then there's all these other ones throughout the United States that do some pretty cool things. So, yeah, I, I, f- with and for the bar, I plan on traveling to go to these things to increase my knowledge and network. But then while I'm also there, I do intend on bringing my podcast equipment with me and recording while, while I'm in these different places. Oh, terrific. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's such an interesting element to your show. Um, I, I felt like I was sort of traveling vicariously, and that was that was neat. And I was also like making notes of places I might want to visit on my travels <laughs> because they sounded so interesting. So you mentioned you're you know, taking your, your equipment. What mobile recording equipment do you use? Well, my it's all the same equipment. So the stuff that I use if I'm recording out of my home or I put on the road with me is all this is the same stuff. I have um, I record onto my iPad and sometimes my iPhone, and then I have a um, couple microphones, and then I have this tiny little two-channel. I don't really know what it's called because I just copied it from my friend Kevin. I ordered it off <laughs> Amazon. It's a two-channel amp. Okay. One of those. It's like a little. It's like a little black box, and I just plug in the microphones into that, and then I plug that thing into my iPad, and I just record right onto that using Boss Jock. That's so the, simple. So simple. Yeah, it's silly. It's it's silly how simple it is. <laughs> <laughs> I can go anywhere with it. <laughs> I'm always interested in people's setups because they you know they they really vary from very simple to you know very expensive and. Uh, to me complicated but some people really like complicated setups because that's you know they're kind of gearheads and they like that so oh, I, don't like I, I, prefer, I prefer i prefer simple yeah me i too. prefer simple yeah. i think uh for as far as i mean it really to get the whole thing started i think two hundred dollars not bad not bad at yeah. all all right so you have this great show you put a lot of effort into it how are you growing your audience Oh, uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's the big question. Um, right now, I'm doing it through the networks that I'm making through the interviews. So the different guests that I pull on the show, obviously, I'm telling them about it. So they'll tell all their friends so that they listen to the show. Um, and I'm that, that's I rely pretty heavily on that since I travel um, like Elijah and, and and Richard out in Oklahoma City, and then Forty Bolts, uh, who's who does a mixtape podcast, met up with him in Arizona, Flagstaff, um, and then the privateering episode that's up in Salem, and so all these different guests that I have on the shows, I'm I'm kind of counting on that they're going to tell their friends and family that they're on this show, and then it's they listen to that episode, they like it, and then they start listening to some of the other episodes. So that's that's kind of how I do it and then through Facebook obviously cuz you know $5 to put an ad out is pretty much the the way I, I have, the only other option I have <laughs> Yeah sure okay so you do use paid um ads on Facebook twice um I don't typically like to do that but um I've I've noticed that when I do that I see my listenership go up a little bit so I I see that there are some there's 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 um 
I guess a bit of a causality there when when I do it. So I don't think I'm throwing my money away. I think it it does work, but I think I get the greatest results from talking with people and trying to spread it outside my little bubble. And yeah. that's just from the different guests. So that's yeah. that's where I found the most success. Now, I've noticed that you have sponsor spots on your show that um, feature other podcasts. Does that go sort of along with, is is that a, a paid spot or is this something where you're working closely with other podcasts to sort of help each other out? I think it's really smart either way. I'm just Yeah, curious. I don't make it. I don't, nothing's paid for. It's all free for, and I, I do it to help my friends out. So yeah. everyone you're hearing is a friend of mine in the different podcasts. I think it's because we support each other. So they have ads on their shows for mine. And then I have shows or ads on my show for them. And then for the ones who are not podcasts, those are just friends of mine who I'm just helping out. I think it's brilliant. As as a listener, you know, I'm listening to your show and I'm becoming a fan. I'm enjoying it. And when you recommended or had this sponsor spot for another podcast, I was really interested in that podcast. And I was like, that sort of magic of podcasting was happening. Where I was like, I trust my host and I know he's going <laughs> to send me in a good direction. And, you know, as a podcast fan, uh, and I think most podcasters listen to podcasts, you know, there's that discoverability issue where we're, I'm always in search for another podcast. And, and I love to hear about podcasts that aren't household names that, you know, not, you know, I, I like to hear about ones that aren't on the top 100 list on iTunes uh, because there's some great stuff out there and that just sometimes gets buried. So those, those sponsor spots on your show, I thought were, were so great because it led me to a show that I wouldn't have found on my own, most likely. So, oh, yeah, great. Well, then it's yeah. doing exactly what uh, we set out for it to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> hope, nice. um, I hope people listening, uh, other podcasters listening will consider that because I think, why not? Why not? Uh, we yeah, we need to help each other I mean, out. Yeah, there's some really great podcasts and some really great people doing some some pretty awesome things. And you never, it's it's tough because there's so many podcasts out there. And you, just like you said, trying to get past the top 100 is, is not the easiest thing to do because, you know, for as many good ones, there's some you know, not so good ones out there also. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> trying, to, trying to weed through some of those is kind of tough. So I think a lot of times we get stuck in this top 100. We'll just, just do that, you know, but finding some good ones that are not in it is usually a little bit tougher. So I think if we help each other out, um, yeah, I don't know. We can help spread the word a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So did you make any big mistakes when you were getting started that you wish you hadn't made or had to fix right away? Yeah, I think the, the the biggest one was I didn't prepare as much as I should have. Um, I went into a few of these recordings early on and even still where I don't... <clears throat> I, I don't prepare as much as I as I should, and then I feel kind of stupid <laughs> sitting there talking <laughs> <laughs> to whoever I'm talking to, thinking uh, I should have prepared a lot more. Because a lot of times, especially with the distilleries and the bartenders and some of the these other guys, is you know they, they've talked to to magazines and and some local press before, and I'm like, well, those guys are pros, and I'm an amateur, so now I really got to come correct, otherwise I feel kind of stupid. Um, and then there's so a few times I didn't prepare as much as I should have and I and that those are some pretty big mistakes um, and I don't know you, you know if you want to do it and you want to look good and be professional I think you really need to prepare yourself for these things so I think that's a pretty 
one of my bigger mistakes. All right. That's a, a mistake and it's easily corrected and mm-hmm. it's also good advice. Um, so other than that, what advice would you give a new podcaster? I think, um, you know, find what you're passionate about. I think there, there's a lot of podcasts that all sound kind of the same. And I think it's because they get a microphone, they get on there and they just start talking because anyone can can talk but not everyone's a great storyteller and I think if you really figure out what your passions are um, then you can focus in on that and you become a better storyteller and then as a result I think people are more likely to listen so um, I I think just if you're interested in podcasting and, and getting your voice out there really do what you're passionate about I think that's Amazing advice. Yeah, because it, and, and also if you're passionate about it, you're going to uh, you're going to be less likely to pod fade, as they say, and, uh, <laughs> you know, lose your interest in podcastings. I know that happens. I don't know what the percentage is, but I know it happens a lot where podcasters start out and then they, you know, six or 10 episodes in they they stop because they realize it is a lot of work and you almost mm-hmm. have to be passionate about your subject matter in order to keep going. So I think that's perfect advice. All right. So I have a couple of fun questions that I didn't send you in advance. Uh, Uh So (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. All right. But they're fun. They're fun. No wrong answers. No wrong answers. Okay. So this is um, what I call, you know, fantasy podcaster time. If you could, (laughs) (laughs) if you could choose anyone living or dead, to have a podcast, who would you like to have one? To be on my show or to have their own show? To have their own podcast. And it can only be one person? One person, living or dead. Huh. Um, okay, I would go with someone living because thinking of someone dead would is too complicated for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to narrow it down to the living. I got it. Okay, okay. so I'll narrow it down that far. I'm, um, it would, uh, and it could only be one, huh? I'm gonna, I'm, I don't care. I'm gonna say two. Is that all right? Can I just say two people? Sure. I said there were no wrong answers, so yes. Yeah, that's right. You did. Um, Quentin Tarantino and Boris Johnson. Oh, okay. Okay. And we're sure they don't have a podcast. They, I don't think they, I, I don't think so. Not that I've heard of. I think we would have heard of a Quentin Tarantino podcast I for sure. I think so. Okay. And what, what was, why, why would you like to see them have a podcast together? Um, well, it doesn't necessarily, I, I actually, they probably should not be together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. But Quentin Tarantino, I just, I love his movies. And I love how he, I love his, the way he tells stories in his, in, in his movies. And I can imagine if he were to put together a podcast and, and then t- talk to other great storytellers and, and I think it'd be really, really cool and interesting. I don't know what direction he would go in, but I just really like Quentin Tarantino a lot and how he how he directs and produces movies. So I think his storytelling is pretty cool. Uh, and Boris Johnson, if if you don't know who he is for, for some of the listeners, he was the mayor of London. Um, and he's just a complete eccentric, uh, interesting, wild politician. I don't even like politics, but I think uh, he is somebody that if he was just kind of had different guests and talking his opinion and I think it would be very interesting and I think I would I would really like to listen to it all right I think we should just start the the letter letter campaign now (laughs) 
<laughs> listeners just get out there and draft draft your letter to uh, to Quentin and Boris and that's right. <laughs> you know who knows? Maybe that's all it takes. Maybe they yeah. maybe they're already thinking about having a podcast and they just need a little encouragement. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, so this one is more about you. If there was a podcast about your life, Mike, what would it be called? Oh, um, shoot, that is tough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask about my life. You need to find <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's very um, fascinating. The Wandering Whiskey Adventures or something. That's great. That's a perfect name. <laughs> the Wandering Whiskey Adventures. There we go. That's what I want to call I it. Would the Wandering Whiskey that. Adventures. I, okay. I would definitely <laughs> listen to that. By the way, I didn't mention it, but that's made me think of it. One of your fans I saw wrote, I think, on a Facebook comment and said he was a micaholic. And I thought, oh, you, you have to, you have to, you know, use that in your marketing somehow. <laughs> I was like, I would, I would have loved personally to get a comment like that from a listener. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I saw that. <laughs> so anyway, for everyone out there, if you listen to Make It a Double, the podcast about all things mixology, booze, spirits, beer, the history, um, the stories behind it, you are going to become a micaholic also. Uh, so please like Make It A Double on Facebook, Make It A Double on Instagram. And you also have a, a website, but you can listen to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, all the all the podcast players, you'll be able to find it. And um, I guarantee you will become a fan because I am. And I have great taste. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and um, I'll say this, too. If um, if you're ever in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, <clears throat> my bar should be opening in March. So um, if you come down to Revival 1869, that's the name of the place, and you happen to mention the podcast, uh, then maybe we can do something special. Oh, me. Maybe you'll get a dollar off your drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's worth the drive. That's worth the drive to save a dollar. <laughs> or something. We'll figure something fun and interesting out, I'm sure, for sure. Yeah, well, I know I'll be there. So, yeah, if anyone else is planning, maybe we can do a meetup at uh, Revival, 69, uh, Revival 1869 yes. in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, just outside of Raleigh. We're in Cleveland. Just outside. Okay, yeah. close enough. Close enough, but that's the Raleigh's yes. the one that people probably know. But that's you know, right. somewhere that's around right. there, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we'll find you. We'll find you. We'll do a meetup. It'll be fun. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on Podcasting Smarter. You've made us all smarter podcasters. Well, I hope so. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it sure has. Thanks. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting!